Appendix Part Two of the Life of Reverend Henry Martin by John Hall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. March eighteenth, eighteen thirteen, arrived at Agra. Abdul had come on some days before and related several conversations with persons on the way about religion. Many copies of Saint Matthew given away. Sunday, March twenty-one. About three p.m., six native Christians, beside the children, etc., attended Hindustani worship in the fort, with whom Abdul read prayers and expounded Luke chapter 5, it being the chapter in order of reading. In the evening, many hundreds of the poor assembled near the fort, to whom Abdul read and explained briefly the Ten Commandments. Many cried out, These are true words, and the curse of God will be upon us if we obey them not. March 22. Set our native school in order by appointing six of the head-boys to learn English on the new British plan, that some or all of them might, through the divine blessing, become translators. They all continue to learn the catechism in the mornings, with Persian during the day, and attend morning and evening worship, in which Abdul officiates by reading a chapter and making remarks upon it, using some prayers from the liturgy afterward. Sunday, March 28th. At three o'clock, the native congregation of Christians consisted of about forty persons. Abdul explained the Gospel of St. Luke in order, and read and commented on the fourteenth chapter. Some of the people stayed to inquire who he was, and said they felt their hearts much affected whilst he was addressing them. In the evening he went into the town. A great crowd collected to receive charity. Before he distributed it, he explained the original state and the fall of man. Many sat quietly, evidently more taken up with the discourse than with their own necessities. Daily some of the Mohammedans come to converse with Abdul. April 3. This evening he went to visit a very old man, accounted by the Mohammedans a holy man, and resorted to by many of them. He had been a scholar of Abdul's grandfather, and had repeatedly expressed a desire to see Abdul. Many were collected at the old man's house. Some asked who Abdul was. The old man told them, mentioning many circumstances respecting the respectability of his family, among others that Abdul's mother's brother is president of the Royal Mohammedan College at Delhi. They then asked Abdul whence he now came, and on being told that he was a certain Englishman's disciple, they inquired what he had learnt. He replied, he had gained some valuable information in religion. One of them said, what connection has religion with the English? Their native country is a small island where they can know nothing, and in this country, what benefit in religion can you reap from them? Abdul told him that he spoke thus for want of information. The old man made a sign for Abdul to desist. Abdul said, if you are afraid I should be disgraced before this company, pray understand that I go into the bazaar to speak on these subjects, and am not ashamed of Christianity, that I should flatter or deal in ambiguous language. Well, said the old man, but now leave off, and come among us from time to time. We shall be happy to see you. The discussion was thus interrupted, and nothing satisfactory could afterward be introduced, so Abdul rose to go. They again invited him to frequent their society. He replied he had not time to spend for mere visiting, but if they would allow him to read a chapter in the gospel every time he came, he would wait on them as often as they pleased. They expressed a wish that this might be the case. 
time will prove their sincerity. Sunday, April 4th. In the afternoon, at three, fewer native Christians attended Hindustani worship, but a great many servants of the gentlemen who live in the fort came to hear, behaved very orderly, and heard with much attention the explanation of the parable of the prodigal son. In the evening, Abdul explained the Apostles' Creed to multitudes of natives, collected outside the fort, who all behaved respectfully to him. April 5th. After morning worship, Abdul took the children and went into the fort to be ready for the afternoon. When all the children were collected, he read to them the story of Henry and his bearer. They all expressed great delight. When he had finished, the eldest of his nephews said, Now I must of necessity be baptized. Sunday, April 11th. About nine o'clock, while the native Christian children and servants were at worship, a venerable old man, who says he is ninety years of age, came from the Tej to Abdul's. The tears began to roll down his cheeks as they proceeded in the service. Toward the end he repeated Amen heartily after each petition. When prayers were ended, he went up to Abdul and embraced him, who said, Do you know that I am a Christian? He answered, Yes, I heard so yesterday. I have often seen the English at worship, but never understood their language. But your prayers are most excellent, and my soul has been greatly refreshed by them. May 5th. Today a Mohammedan physician sent to request that Abdul would visit him in the evening. He accordingly went, and found him as an attendant on the royal family at Jondpur. He has leave to visit Agra, owing to sickness in his family, which required change of air. He had heard of Abdul's conversion yesterday, and could not believe he was the person he pretended to be. He offered to bet two thousand rupees that a person of the family described could not change his religion. He moreover said, if he were such a one, he must know him, for they were at school together, and he would send for this person, viz. Abdul Masih, and prove him to be an impostor. On Abdul's going to his house, nothing could exceed the physician's astonishment to find him the very person described, and his own schoolfellow. They had a long and friendly conversation about their former intercourse, and read several chapters in St. Matthew, and other parts of the New Testament. On Abdul's answering his objections, he said, This is the way I understand you did yesterday, silencing everybody by reference to their own customs, and so I perceive Islam will not stand. He took a copy of St. Matthew, and desired to have the whole New Testament. Sunday, May 9th. In the evening, out of the fort, a greater number than ever was collected, with evident desire to hear the word. They checked one another, in order to preserve silence. One, impatient at the noise around him, cried aloud, "'Keep silence, ye accursed, and let us hear the word. Ye have six days in the week, have ye not, to babble and talk?' The subject was, "'This is a faithful saying.' Several were in tears. One man came forward, and declared he would be a Christian." He was sick, had long been ill, did not expect to live long, and these words comforted him. He had never before heard such comfortable words. One evening, during the preceding week, Abdul went into the city. A number of people collected round him and entered into conversation. At length they begged that he would sit down and read them a chapter. He did so and read the eleventh of John. 
one of them told him, "'If you would have us become Christians, you must come among us and teach us the gospel. Come and live among us, and we will attend you daily.' Sunday, June 6th. The attendance in the fort was as usual, and in the evening, without the fort, the crowd was beyond all former example. Even the tops of some of the houses were covered with Mohammedans. But those of the crowd who could not hear, by their pressing and eagerness to get forward, prevented much of what Abdul said from being heard. June 7th. The whole day was passed by Abdul in the city, and his house was like an exchange from morning till night. More copies of the scriptures were sought for, and one moon she began to read St. Matthew with Abdul. Three children were brought to school, and the people speak with much admiration of the establishment of a free school. June 9th. Numbers of people visited Abdul again today, and many interesting conversations took place. An old Mohammedan, uncle to one of the principal men in the city, was asked, on going away, what he thought of Abdul. He answered, what can I say? He says nothing amiss, and nothing can be objected to the gospel. What can I say? June 10th. Today the doctrine of Christ witnessed a triumph. For three weeks past, a fakir of the Jogi tribe has come frequently to our morning worship in the school. On Tuesday, the chapter to be read in order was John, chapter 17. The subject of it, and our Lord's manner toward his disciples, arrested the attention of the jogi, and the tears flowed plentifully down his cheeks. Today he brought his wife and child, said he was a convert to Jesus without reserve, and began of himself to take off his fakir's dress. He first took the beads from off his neck, then broke the string to which the charm given him by his guru was suspended then broke off an iron ring worn round his waist, and to which an iron rod about two feet long was attached. He then put on some old clothes, which we had by us, and said, Now he wished to be instructed in the gospel, and to get employment. A rupee was given to procure food for the family, with which the wife went and bought a spinning wheel, saying she would spin and earn their livelihood. These are wonders in the history of a Hindu. The whole family afterward ate their dinner with Abdul of their own accord. Today, also, an old woman who has constantly heard Abdul on Sundays brought her little all from the house of a Mohammedan where she had long lived, and took up her abode among the Christians, expressing a heart-affecting sense of her value for the gospel of Christ. A leper, too, who has spent years in religious observances without finding rest to his mind, and who has been some time in constant attendance on the means of grace, took up his abode with us, saying, Jesus would cure the inward leprosy of his soul. The old soldier also, and his wife and son, have cast in their lot with us. The school today increased to ten, expressly under the idea that it is a Christian institution. June 12th. The whole city seems moved with this new thing which has come unto them, but not a tongue stirs in opposition. As a proof of this, the mufti of the court, whose father is Kazi-ul-Kazat, or native chief justice of the company's head court in Calcutta, sent to beg that Abdul would forget the attempt that had been made by his relatives in Calcutta to procure his imprisonment, and would visit him, the mufti, and be friends with him. It would be no easy task to record all the interesting discussions which have taken place during these two days between Abdul and the principal Mohammedans in the city. 
One of them observed that Abdul was so provided with armor that none of their weapons, arguments, could reach him. June 18th. Today Abdul was informed that the Kazi, judge, is taking pains to prevent the children from coming to school, and the people from visiting him. Some of the children said to him, on his forbidding them to go to school to Abdul, Will you then instruct us gratis, as he does? June 25th. Yesterday, as Abdul was reading and explaining Acts chapter 4 at his house in the city, an extraordinary instance of divine power attending the word appeared. A youth about fifteen, a Brahmin in the Gower caste, had come, among others, to see and hear this new thing. Abdul observed him very attentive, and as he proceeded and was explaining verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name given among men whereby we can be saved. The lad seemed greatly agitated, and breaking off his Brahmin's cord, threw it away. All who were present observed what he did, but no notice was then taken. After the congregation went away, the lad remained, said he would embrace the Christian religion, and, in short, of his own accord, ate with Abdul, and came home with him in the evening. June 6th. Today the Raja Ramnarian passed most of the day here. He is the son of the brother of the well-known Shait Singh, Raja of Benares, who was finally set aside from the Rajaship by the Honourable Company on the murder of Mr. Cherry, and the present family placed on the Musnud, who are of the female line. On June 9th, this Raja Ram Narian called upon me, Reverend Mr. Corey. He had passed the greatest part of a day at Cawnpore with the late Mr. Martin, with whom I was then an inmate. Since then he has been visiting about among the Mahratta princes, and on arriving here, and hearing of my being here, he came to call upon me. After some time he entered into a detail of the misfortunes of his family. I heard him out, and then endeavoured to show him that all worldly expectations were thus deluding, and that, though we should gain our end in the world, we must leave it, and go to give account to God. Whilst those who know and love the true God have a never-failing portion. Abdul, who was present, took up the subject. The young man was roused to attention, came to see us day after day, and expressed very freely in public his approbation of the gospel, becoming daily more serious and earnest in his religious inquiries. At length he became suspected of an inclination to Christianity. Crowds, both of Hindus and Mussulmans, visited him daily to dissuade him from associating with Abdul. On the second instant he took up his abode with Abdul in the city, and now the whole city seemed moved. Day and night he was beset by people, many of whom had never seen him or heard of him until now, and the agitation of mind occasioned thereby made him quite unwell. Today he is much indisposed, yet came out to see me. After some previous conversation I said to him, If your intention of embracing Christianity be sincere, I do most heartily invite you to occupy these rooms, in which we were sitting, and in all respects to consider me as a brother. Only, I am anxious that no worldly motive should enter into your resolutions, and that no one should be able to say you were influenced by temporal considerations. He answered, very distinctly and deliberately, Sir, 
in respect of name, what can I propose to myself by the change? My family is the chief among the Hindus, being Brahmins and lords of the holy city. In respect to provision, you know how I have lived, and could still live. He told me before that he could collect four hundred rupees a month, and subsistence for three or four hundred followers among the Mahratta princes. What earthly end can I have in view? But among the Hindus or Mohammedans, I never heard of any whose birth, life, death, resurrection, and ascension can be compared with Jesus. I perceive he is the only Saviour, and see I may obtain remission of sins through him. July 8th. In consequence of the above visit, the friends and adherents of the Rajah became quite violent with him, and threatened by some means or other to put an end to his life. They threatened Abdul also, who quietly but resolutely answered, If you should accomplish my death, it would be a cause of joy to me, as bringing me at once to him whose I am. But be assured, your lives would be forfeited to the law, and at the throne of God you would find Rayam, note, an idol, end note, or any other you depend upon, quite unable to save you from the guilt of murder. They were dismayed at his resolution, and have kept aloof from him since, but have persuaded the Rajah to make a journey to Golir, where another widow of Shait Singh's is, and of a brother of his own. He says he will come back alone shortly, appears in deep distress, and said to-day, I go with them because I fear they will otherwise murder me, but I know, if I do not become a Christian, I shall go to hell with my eyes open. My faith is in Jesus Christ alone, and beside him there is no saviour. A Mohammedan in the service of the Rajah has been the chief opposer, and has tried to get others to say that Abdul wished to compel people to become Christians. A Mowi who lives near, and to whom he first addressed himself, told him at once he lied, and was an infidel for opposing an idolater who wished to believe in revelation, though not in Mohammed. The Hindus to whom he applied said he was mad, that they saw and heard all that passed in Abdul's house, and saw no violence offered to any one. One Hindu said, I hear him forbid people to kill, or to commit adultery, or to steal, or to tell lies. If this be Christianity, it is a good religion. There are no such good words, even in the Sanskrit books. July 11th a man from a neighboring village was present to-day, who has been a constant attendant for some time. He was asked why he had expressed a wish to become a Christian. He answered, For the sake of salvation. What had he heard that should induce him to hope for salvation in Christianity? He said, He had never heard of any whose birth corresponded with that of Christ, that to raise the dead, and himself to rise from the dead, proved him to be the Son of God, and able to give remission of sins. He to-day took his meal with the Christians, by which his caste is gone. July 24th. To-day a Mohammedan from Berthpur came, who is a physician to the Rajah's family. He had long ago perused the Pentateuch in Arabic, lent him by a Roman Catholic priest who lived with General Duboin. About two years ago it came into his mind to search for truth, the irreconcilable contradictions among the different Mohammedan sects struck him powerfully, and convinced him that truth was not with them. 
He read in the Koran that Christ is the Spirit of God. This gave him a high idea of our Saviour. He took an opportunity of coming to Agra soon after that time, when he visited Mr. C., the Baptist missionary, who urged him to an immediate profession of Christianity. This he was not prepared for, but took a copy of St. Matthew and St. Mark in Persian, translated by Sabat, and went back to Berthpore. There he has been until the present time, fully persuaded of the truth of Christianity and the divinity of Christ from the perusal of the above translation, but desirous of meeting with some of his own countrymen who could inform him further, he at length heard of Abdul, and of the kindness and inoffensiveness of his manners. This, said he, is the way of that religion. And on Monday he came over on purpose to meet with Abdul. He was led to the house of a Mowi, who teaches our Christian boys Arabic, and who is very favourable to the truth, so that his introduction to Abdul was thus made easy. He now wishes to be baptised, seems less than any native whom I have seen to consult with flesh and blood, said he desired only to be great in the sight of God, and, if it were his will, to be among the first fruits of Hindustan, for he is sure that all the land will become Christian, and he desires to give himself to labor to spread the gospel. He has a son eighteen years old, whom he has made acquainted with the change passing in his mind, and who, he says, is equally with himself disposed to embrace the gospel. He has gone back to bring this son, and what property he has, that he may give himself wholly to the work of the Lord. July 18th. This afternoon the above person made his appearance, with his son, at worship in the city. He had thought, he said, of sending his son first, but afterward reflected, this is not a work to be delayed or trifled with. He publicly professed, before all the people assembled, that he was come expressly to receive baptism. He laid aside his turban, and knelt down to prayer with the Christian part of the assembly. July 23 Today, Abdul's eldest nephew, after many solicitations, was examined for baptism. So long since, as the beginning of May, he had been observed diligent in secret duties, and the questions which he asked discovered an awakened conscience. On Monday last, he began to read the scriptures and pray with the catechumens. This was after repeated requests to be allowed to do so, and diligent application to private reading of the scriptures. Today he was asked, why do you wish to be baptized? He said, because I am conscious of many and great sins, and I wish to enter on the way of forgiveness. Question. But perhaps the English government may not always remain in this land, and you know, in that case, the Hindus and Mohammedans would persecute you. What would you do? Answer. Certainly, since they despised and persecuted and ill-treated the Saviour, I can expect no other but through his help I would remain firm. July 24th. During the whole of this week, the Hugim from Berthpore has attended daily with his son. The epistle to the Hebrews was appointed to be read, to show him the connection between the Old and New Testaments. As we went on, his attention was evidently attracted by the peculiar truths of the gospel, the divinity of Christ, his suitableness as God to be a saviour, the sufficiency of his sacrifice and the extent of it as reaching to sins under the former dispensation also. 
the passages connected with these subjects drew from him many expressions indicative of a truly enlightened mind he has been daily also inquiring about baptism and as the subject has been on his mind above two years and he is now evidently decided in his choice it was agreed to baptize him to-morrow after talking of his family i asked if he was aware of anything in his own history for which god might be justly displeased with him he answered what have i done that deserves the name of virtue all my days if i have done anything good at all it is this acceptance of the truth bishop heber makes mention of Moussy in his journal near agra january twelfth eighteen twenty five as follows abdul Moussy breakfasted this morning at mr irving's he is a very fine old man with a magnificent grey beard and much more gentlemanly manners than any christian native whom i have seen his rank indeed previous to his conversion was rather elevated since he was master of the jewels to the court of Oude, an appointment of higher estimation in eastern palaces than in those of europe and the holder of which has always a high salary abdul Masih's present appointments as christian missionary are sixty rupees a month note a rupee is worth about fifty cents and note and of this he gives away at least half who can dare to say that this man has changed his faith from any interested motives he is a very good hindustani persian and arabic scholar but knows no english there is a small congregation of native christians converted under mr corey when he was chaplain at agra and now kept together by abdul Masih. the earnest desire of this good man is to be ordained a clergyman of the church of england and if god spares his life and mine i hope during the next autumn to confer orders on him he is every way fit for them and is a most sincere christian quite free so far as i could observe from all conceit or enthusiasm his long eastern dress his long grey beard and his calm resigned countenance give him already almost the air of an apostle in that year he was much afflicted by losing the use of his limbs by the palsy but said he i can move about in a carriage and god grants me the faculty of speech through his blessing i trust i shall be permitted until death to declare the truths of the gospel when at length this sinful body of mine is dead and shall have put on immortality may i be found among the least of the blessed thus he maintained a consistent christian life and his closing hours were brightened with christian hope he became ill and dr luxmore finding him in a dying condition from mortification had him conveyed to his own house where he was supplied with suitable medicine nourishment and attendance to the last he expressed his deep gratitude for this change of residence for he said that had he died at home among his own relations they perhaps would have interred his remains according to the ceremonies of their own erroneous faith but now said he christian brethren will bury me he expressed himself as perfectly resigned and said that death had no terrors for him for that his saviour had deprived it of its sting he expressed to a friend who attended on him his gratitude for the kind attention of mr ricketts the resident saying see the fruits of christian love the day before his death he requested a friend to write his will 
a house which the resident had enabled him to purchase he left to his mother his books to the bible society and his clothes to a nephew after concluding these formalities he said thanks be to god i have done with this world and with regard to my mother putting his hands in a supplicating posture i commend her to god then laying his hand upon his nephew he said to his friend speak to the resident that no one be allowed to injure him then desiring his friend to come near him and putting his hands in an attitude of prayer he said o oh, father son and holy ghost be gracious to blank on one occasion he inquired after a man who had been with him for some time for religious instruction and being told he was at hand desired he might be called on his approach he questioned him on some points of religion and explained to him the lord's prayer throughout he spoke of his intention to baptize him should he recover and desired that in the event of his death a clerical friend might be requested to do so shortly before he expired being told that the new testament was at hand at his desire the fourth chapter of st john was read to him at the conclusion of which he said thanks be to god a hymn which he had composed a short time before was then sung and of which the following is a paraphrase blessed saviour of the world who art beloved supremely still by me now in thy ever-loving heart oh let me not forgotten be of all that blooms in earthly bower or in ethereal field that blows of every sweet and fragrant flower thou art the fairest sharon's rose long passed away youth's cheerful morn and age's closing hours come on these grieve me not my soul is torn by memory of my sins alone blessed saviour of the world who art beloved supremely still by me now in thy ever-loving heart oh let me not forgotten be he joined in singing this hymn and desired that it might be sung a second time but he could no longer articulate distinctly and soon became insensible to everything around him he lay seemingly in perfect ease till the evening when he raised his head from the pillow and with his left hand took hold of the hand of his friend then gently withdrew it and breathed his last end of appendix part two end of the life of reverend henry martin by john hall recording by hannah mary come be still dot blogspot dot com